Um, do you mind if I go for a quick wee while we um, wait to see if anyone in our audience arrives? No, no. Um, go like the wind. <laughs> or I might do it into the wind. Here I am. I think that was quite quick. That was a that was a what I would like to call a power PP. I think that was a power PP. I, I, I'm taking so much longer to wee these days, given my age. I just you know, you just realise you're there for about half an hour. Just go okay, one more, okay, then a little shake, then it's still going. Wow, we haven't started this podcast yet, have we? um technically yeah we're live um oh. so good morning good afternoon good evening good overnight <laughs> i'm ant <laughs> i'm jb um so yes we, we're struggling with all sorts of things today we've got a slight internet problem i've got a builder next door who's giving it large to my neighbor i think and uh ant is um just fresh back from a fresh break we're ready to go now yeah, yeah, a, 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 a natural break, as we we call it in the training space. Um, uh, yes, uh, um, it's. It, it, uh, I've been unwell over the weekend as well, JB. Um, it's it's been a lovely family weekend, but, but but yes, I have had a chesty cough. But everyone's COVID tested clear, so it is just that. But of course, you can't take any chances these days. So it's um yes, uh, I, I, sleeping and then waking up going because <laughs> you've got your lungs full of gunk is not particularly pleasant at anyone's uh, age. But uh, well, what but a way to doing. start the website, um, our, our webinar rather. So um, yeah, we, we've um, had a bit of a break. Uh, between webinars have we or we have yeah so for the yes. listeners um so some of you in the live audience some of you are listening to these recordings back via whatever podcast provider you access us on uh, and J- jb and i are now rec- we've kind of moved it around we always used to record on a thursday um and then we've more recently been doing on a tuesday and this week we've done a monday because i've got back-to-back meetings for three days the rest of this week um and it has meant that we've had a rather action-packed uh, monday with webinars um, and we've got another webinar later, if I'm not mistaken, as well. We um, it's just crazy times, crazy times, but um, all hopefully for the good of the world and the good of the people. Um, so Global Leadership Podcast, if you've not listened to us before, and this is the first ever episode, it's really quite straightforward. Me and JB, we chew through either the news of the week around leadership, and we look at business stories and other things, and also published articles that we think are interesting to talk about. We take listener questions from Global Leadership Podcast at C or glp at seedle.com they all come through to me and jb to review and discuss and debate and hopefully give you some suggestions so if you do have any questions around managing people send it in to us at that email address um, and um, we will endeavor to answer it we do have one question just one question this week and we need to do something to kind of pep it up um but as you probably know for the regular listeners before we get going we like to find out what we've been up to in our personal lives before we get into the meaty stuff Mr. Bradley, what have you been having Doing with my life? Yeah. Um, well, um, can you hear the builder next yeah. door? Yeah. yeah. What's he saying? I don't know. I think he's selling a whole load of more work for the poor chap next door to pay oh, for. Dear. Um, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. Get him some of that. <laughs> and JB's frozen at the wrong moment. Oh, dear. I might have to talk. I'll have to fill the airtime until he comes back. Oh, is he back? There was a bit of a... There he, there he is. 
Um, right, I'm going to stop my video. Sorry, Ant, you're not going to see me for a bit. That's all right. Um, well, I guess this is a podcast. You can see me. So when I kind of give that look, it means it's your turn to talk. Um, anyway, yes. yes. So everything okay your side? Everything, everything's good. And I uh, had a lovely uh, weekend in London. Uh, took um, my wife up there for a little bit of a, a weekend away, a weekend of jollies. Uh, went to a Banksy exhibition uh, in Covent Garden, which was super. Superb, absolutely brilliant. What a witty ca- character Banksy is. He's from Bristol, did you know? I, um, I th- there's rumour, isn't there, that he's part of Massive Attack, the band. Oh, he's gone again. Maybe the builders cut through his cable. This could be problematic for our episode today. So while he reconnects himself from Banksy and Covent Garden, is- oh, he's back. No, he's gone. He's back. Not entirely sure. Oh dear, this isn't going well, is it, on the old technical no. front? Well, wh- while you do that, how about I tell everyone what I've been up to? And then you, you, don't, you, do that? you, you don't care anyway, so that's okay. Um, so, oh, so I me- do so much. That's not <laughs> fair at all. Um, so um, for those of you that are listening pretty close to when this goes out, um, it was World Mental Health Day yesterday, and many organisations are celebrating it. I say celebrating it, marking it today. Um, so I made a point this weekend gone of doing real things with real people and totally disconnecting from work i try and do that every weekend anyway and if you don't do it definitely friday six o'clock till sunday six o'clock in the evening do not even think about emails just think absolutely connecting with your kids and family and friends so we had a a, a weekend filled with um fun and frivolities um we had a takeaway with some friends on friday night went to took my oldest boy to football match on saturday morning with my sister-in-law and then uh saturday afternoon we went over to a another friend's house and we spent a very happy afternoon evening there and then yesterday we had more family uh uh, family friends so we had lots of different family and friends over this weekend then i had to garden mow the grass in the garden that was my weekend it seems jb's back camera's on and he seems stable well, do you know what? I think I was on the wrong internet broadband connection. So now oh. I'm back in the game and I've got a lovely, lovely big internet broadband connection. So I think we're good to go. And you can now see my new background, which is very exciting and colourful. It is. For the live audience, you can see that JB's got a mixture of uh, pink, blue and black. And for the recorded audience, he's got a background of pink, <laughs> blue and black. Um, um, anyway, um, so this week we, we have... Um, a few different topics because um, we, uh, me and JB like to exchange kind of random quotes and articles that we come across during our day jobs, if you will, which is webinars and consulting work around leadership and other bits and pieces. Um, and there's a couple of goodies this week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, JB, should we go to you first and, and then I'll go second, if that's okay? Because I think you've got two and I've got one this week. Is that right? Yes. Shall I go topics or shall I go for that little um, quote that I sent you? Uh, uh, topics. Topics first. Okay. Yeah. 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 Now, I did something clever earlier. I put that into a special place where I could always find it. And here it is. And it's five reasons to fa- to hire failed students. And it's from this guy who set up this incredible um, business called the Rebel Business School. And so he basically trains people without qualifications and puts them into amazing positions in organizations. And um, he's saying, as the back to school bustle is in full swing, 
Um, this guy, Simon Payne, Payne, reveals why school underperformers are commercial winners. I think this um, is a bit of a winner for, for you and me, Ant, don't you think? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, I can't read the article because it's behind a paywall, which is very frustrating. But, but hopefully well, you, can, right. you can reveal some of them. Okay, so um, he's basically saying that qualifications uh, don't matter. And he, he has a philosophy where you're not allowed to send him a CV because he views the CV as a kind of menu, but it's not necessarily the grub you end up eating, which is an interesting, interesting, it's an interesting little metaphor, isn't it? Um, and he, so in the, in, you know, the new world of work, um, people who've been sort of channeled through the normal academic route from you know senior school uh, to college to university or whatever it happens to be um you know it's kind of an environment uh that doesn't really train them to be ready for work um and so he thinks that you know a lot of a lot of kids turn up to work and they think that they've got the right candidate because the cv looks right and they're looking for this oven ready individual and then it turns out that they might have the academic uh qualifications um but the mindset isn't quite what they'd hoped for so he he quite likes um people uh to come in without qualification without cv and he's interested in knowing you know their story um they don't they don't know much about academics and stuff like that because maybe they just turned off at school maybe that wasn't for them um so the main thrust of what he's talking about is the big word trust and so they have a desire to learn at this point they didn't do much of it at school and suddenly they've got this kind of need to succeed he taps into that finds it uh, and finds these people um or quite often um being really good self-starters and not having to do that unlearning thing and not having this sort of arrogance that they've got all the qualifications they need to do the job he, he he's um basically gone no, that's your CV, mate. That's not necessarily what I need here. Um, so he, you know, oven ready, that's a myth. Oh, God, here we go. Just doing some drilling. Goodness me. <laughs> we got the drilling happening. Oh, no, I thought we got rid of that. Anyway, um, that's, that's this piece, and I'm sure the stuff in there that you'd probably pick up on. Yes. So I'll respond to a few things you've just said there. So I made some notes as, as JB was talking about this article. Um, there's a couple of things that stand out for me, by the way. I, I did laugh the bit before the payroll appears. <clears throat> it, 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 the section of an article says qualifications don't matter. Yeah. I'm not sure that's particularly good English, but I guess if he's not worried about academic rigor, then um, I guess I don't, he probably hasn't got many himself. Um, yeah, but he's you know he's a very entrepreneurial, very successful man. This fella. Yeah. Anyway, um, so there's there's two there's two pieces I, I would tap into on that, and and I agree with JB. I think um, too often businesses hire for technical skills and they fire for soft skills or a lack of soft skills. Um, and um, we have spoken to many organizations and said, you know, what's your resignation reasons? And it's often because managers aren't supporting their people in the right way. 
And when you're firing people, what are you firing them for? And often it's because actually they they academically are perfect, but they just don't seem to be behaving in the right way. They don't seem to have the right soft skills. And ironically, we use that often to say to businesses, well, why are you therefore cutting back on your soft skills investment? You know, it's far more cheaper to invest in people's soft skills than having to churn people all the time because they're just not they're not behaving properly. Um, Anyway, so that that that's that's one. The, the other thing is, as JB knows, um, I have a famous quote which is quite controversial, but I think it's worthwhile bringing it back out to the the public mind for a moment again. Which is, university is for those that lack direction unless their direction requires it. University is for those that lack direction unless their direction requires it. Uh, essentially, what I'm saying in that quote is that too often I think people take the lazy option of going to university because they're told that's what they need to do. They choose a subject that maybe mum and dad think they need to do, or, or actually, often it's just to buy the time. And, and nine times out of ten, they then go on to careers that have got zero relationship to the degree they've studied. You know, I've got friends and families that have studied degrees in media, and they're working in you know in politics. I've got someone that's studied economics is working in IT. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, they, you know, they, they had that higher level of education. But often if whenever I interview people in career interview type settings and I often ask the question experience or academics, what's your prefer- preference? And they often say higher on experience. Um, and, and that's not to, you know, to, 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 to poo-poo someone that is a graduate, but I have to agree with JB. There was a period in the late noughties where there was an, almost an arrogance of, well, I'm a graduate. What graduate schemes have you got? Well, I'm, I'm entitled. Um, okay, what makes you more entitled than someone that's got three years of experience in an office that understands the working, understands culture, has some credible communication and soft skills that's going to make them probably far more stable in a working environment than this, someone straight out of university. Now, again, I'm not dismissing graduates because, again, I recognize people do go to university with that direction because those that require it know that they need a degree because, and maybe it's not necessarily a degree in the subject they will end up specializing in, but they need to demonstrate that academic rigor. But I am pleased to see that lots of organizations, including one of my former employers, have removed now um, the requirement of a degree. So they'll say, they'll they'll say, um, you know, a a bachelor of science degree level or alternative relevant experience. And again, if I look at an awful lot of C-suites in the organizations that I've worked with over the recent times and normally about 50 50 don't have any degree um and that includes going into you know and I, I, I can speak from my own experience i'm not a graduate yet i i'm a leader of a learning company um so you can conclude from that what you will um but i i would agree with you i think um there is too much obsession still with the cv um i i saw an amusing quote on linkedin yesterday i think it was which was subject, it just said, reality, I passed my driving test. LinkedIn, I'm pl- proud to announce that following an extensive um, you know, uh, assessment on uh, how to um, uh, maneuver uh, fueled vehicles, I'm delighted to announce that I've been certified to a standard of passing this particular certificate. I'd like to thank NASA, Google, 
and my friends and family for supporting me through this difficult time, uh, you know, long, you know, and it just shows you how professional networks like LinkedIn or your CV, you bluster your way through from credibility. And uh, I mean, nine times out of 10, I will look for the headlines of job titles and think, yeah, they're worth a conversation or they're not potentially. But even then we now have three or four people in our workforce that have got zero experience in learning, zero experience in the role they're in, but we've hired them based on their potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how many of them have, um, you know, some sort of qualification? Um, of our team? Again, 50-50. Maybe 60% have a degree, but in terms of degree and the specialty that they are leading, less than half. So it's, there's definitely merit in it. Well, I mean, um, you are you are a case in point, Ant, where, you know, your um, academic um, qualifications um, have nothing to do with your business success. You know, you 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 are a very successful uh, businessman, business person. No, right. you no, <laughs> you are. Um, and, you know, I think it, it's fair to say that um, school education didn't really kind of do that much for you. That be fair? I, I, I went to private school as well. So arguably, um, you would have assumed that I would have had a higher standard of education, which I did, but it wasn't for me. And I think, the, unfortunately, some of the private schools around the country um, hired academically geniuses in a subject, but actually they lacked the ability to inspire children to, to learn from them. You know, they were just books of knowledge just regurgitated onto a whiteboard um, and to the, the students. Um, but, but interestingly, from my perspective, JB, I would say that the reason that I am so passionate about a learning business as a product is because actually I suspect my career would not be where it's at if it wasn't for the benefit of companies that invested in my potential. Um, and that's why I'm now in this position, because I realized that actually all of my success has not been through my academic institutions in formal settings. It's been the opportunities put in front of me that I've always ripped everyone's arm off. For, I want to go on that course. I want to go on that course because I think it's going to help me get better. You know, when I was a salesperson, any sales course I could get on, I'd go on because it would improve my my closing ability, which of course meant that I performed better. Um, when I then became a manager, I went on a course where I met you, of course. Um, so then you really started learning. Exactly. And then I then had to unlearn what I was learned, taught before JB and, and then relearn. Well, I, I, you know, I think my education was a complete and utter failure. I don't see it as my failure. I, I see it as the failure of the schools that I attended. Um, and I think I've mentioned before uh, on this podcast that, you know, along with two of my children, um, you know, I am pretty dyslexic. And um, I use that to my advantage because it makes... Um, things look very different to me and I you know I exploit that I, I have a, a, a sort of creative look at the world but between the age of seven and 18 uh, that was of absolutely no use to me because what went up on boards and what was supposed to be shoved into my brain did not go in so um, there's a lot of stuff in my uh, I don't know my, in my academic early academic life that, that just is not available it's not there they didn't go in but that meant later on in my life uh you know my work environment walking into work and particularly the the world of radio which is 
to me. I mean, it was just walking into the biggest sweetie shop on the planet, and I wasn't mm. being admonished all the mo- all the time for not learning. Uh, I was actually being rewarded and recognised for learning fast, um, and uh, actually enjoying that. And um, you know, I, I rapidly rose through you know, a pretty big corporate business and learned a load of stuff and then attended to my education um, in the way that I wanted to. So I, I learned the way that I needed to. So I I don't know, I'm not trying to big myself up at all, but I think you and I are examples uh, of a different mindset that really started happening for us in the world of work, which sadly yeah. is no reflection of it, it's it's got nothing to do with what I learned at school my I was not prepared I was not educated to go out and do useful things in the world on the contrary um and I think that's a real sad thing but maybe that's just a handful of us who have experienced that in the workplace maybe there's loads of people listening to this podcast who think actually my education did prepare me uh, for the workplace. I went to university. It meant that I could go straight into a really, really great job. Um, and I've thrived ever since. I don't, I, you know, I'm sure that that exists. I'm sure that's great. I think that's brilliant. Um, but this example, and I think it's got a sort of entrepreneurial um, feel to it, you know, uh, the point that this guy makes, you know, his rebel business school is where people go without qualification, without money, um, and all the things that you'd normally think were necessary uh, to set up a business uh, and to thrive in this ever-changing, exciting world that we now live in. Um, the Rebel Business School is designed uh, for people who are like you and me, Ant, that don't have the qualifications, probably don't have a boatload of money, squillions, to put into the business. He doesn't think that's necessary if you've got a good brain on you and you don't need to have done really well at school uh, to be a brilliant entrepreneur. In fact, I think he is arguing it helps uh, if you kind of opt it out because then when you get into your workplace, it's pretty exciting and it's a very different environment that suits entrepreneurs. That's his experience. And I, I think that's quite interesting as a model. Yeah, it is. It is an interesting article. So that was in HR management, wasn't it? If I'm not mistaken, uh, management today, sorry, management today <clears throat> behind uh, the paywall. Lovely. And it was written by Simon Payne. It was published on the 5th of October, 2021. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so um, my first article, I actually did have two topics today, didn't I? So um, my article um, is in fastcompany.com website. Um, and the article is titled, and it is, it's from a couple of weeks ago, 28th of, of September um, 2021, for those of you that are listening in the future. Um, why it finally may be time to hire a chief leadership officer. Mm. <clears throat> uh, and it's a really interesting one. It's one I read straight away and sent to JB going, oh, this one's a, an interesting one. Um, and and the, the, the truth is chief HR officers, chief people officers don't always have either um, the experience themselves of leading organizations, which allows them to drive the people agenda through the business in terms of a vision 
being campaigned effectively around that organization. And this article by Paul Donahar sets out the argument really, really interestingly, which <clears throat> makes reference to corporate America facing a leadership crisis. Um, effectively, what they're saying is leadership lacks in so many areas of business in the US, and I'm guessing therefore around the world, that there needs to be a specialist in the C-suite ensuring that the leadership is happening around the business. So it talks about successful companies being able to um, evolve to meet the changing world. Um, <clears throat> and they need to be more opportunistic. Um, the creation of a chief leadership role is this such a moment to avoid a imminent crisis. The role of the chief leadership officer is the mission to guarantee that robust leadership culture exists and the factors contributing to it are consistent and aligned. The chief leadership officer works to connect all the dots that determine leadership behavior in a company and to ensure that leaders at all levels develop to their fullest potential. <clears throat> and I think what me and JB see day in, day out in the work we do with many of our clients, especially where they're asking us to come in and help support the business, is that there is a lack of vision that's campaigned. If you ask many of the companies, what's, what's your values? What's your mission? What's your vision? Um, it's not often clear. It's blurred. Um, people have their own takes on it, which we would argue means that, that leadership at all levels of the business are failing. It's not just the job of the CEO to um to, to 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 drive the vision it has to come from everybody especially as an organization grows so it talks about making sure that the, the chief leadership officer has a corporate uh, in, in, indoctrinates and drives forward a corporate purpose a value strategy um, performance criteria recruiting around the vision um, reward systems coaching and training development external internal communications and equity and inclusion strategy so it's saying um that these are often sitting under hr but, you know, as in does the chief leadership officer sit almost as a hybrid with chief people officer, but it needs to be looked at and executed through the leadership lens, because too often it says that the person that holds the chief leadership officer role, often the chief HR or people officer has not necessarily got a record of successfully leading themselves. So they've not led through turbulent times. They've not led corporate or commercial businesses. They've not led countries. They've purely come in through the HR vertical, which means they perhaps have an awful lot of people understanding, but they don't necessarily have the competencies to inspire an organization. So a couple of the competencies, articulates a vision, becomes an evangelist for the vision, so a campaigner, um, ensures focus and alignment <clears throat> at all levels of the business, and makes sure that there's competencies that drive those alignments, assesses the company's success at delivering on its leadership vision, reinforces appropriate leadership behavior, and creates opportunities for non-leaders to, lead to track high achievers. There you go. Well, so the thing that I really like about this um, is, to me, it's like a really, really sensible insurance policy uh, for an organization. You know, just holding um, one person like the CEO to account for uh, what's important for all the stakeholders in the business to do what's right for the business and to do what's right for the people within it. I, I think this kind of uh, is a good insurance policy underneath that CEO uh, to get it right and to get it uh, culturally right 
Um, and I think there was a, a thing in the article I really liked about um, it. The CLO works to connect all the dots uh, that determine leadership behavior in a company um, and to ensure that leaders develop their fullest potential. So, you know, the CEO, a really, really good CEO, I think, has got a clear vision, um, mission and values and works with and holds the, the, the C-suite to account for delivering that throughout the organization. I, I think it's, I dare to say it, I think it's quite rare um, for that to happen. I think there's an awful lot of focus on, you know, shareholder value. I think there's a great deal of uh, focus on sales and, and customer relationships and all of the, all of that. Yes, that's a given. To me, that's a given. You make sure, you make sure the shareholders are okay. You make sure the suppliers are okay. You make sure the regulars, regulators are okay. And you make sure the customers are okay. That's your day job. You got to do that. That's that's your competency to make sure you and your team manage that. But it seems to me one or all of those things uh, prevent CEOs from from investing in uh, clarifying uh, all of those important relationships and getting the messages right, uh, getting the values right, um, and enabling leaders in the business to get that message clear throughout the whole business and to hold hold them to account for it as as it as if it was as important as a customer relationship and a a shareholder relationship somehow they, they i find there's often a little disconnect there uh they don't they don't see the absolute critical importance uh of this kind of uh work that this ceo uh, sorry this this um, role, uh, the chief leadership officer would would hold hold the organisation together around it, hold everyone to account, and the CEO. I, I think it's important um, that this role is is given a really serious and senior position in the business. It's not just a bolt-on to HR or some sort of consultative role that, you know, people can look at as a, a nice to have, you know, or a, or a kind of um, something that you can opt into. Uh, that's my only concern about it is, is it, is it going to be um, taken seriously, this chief leadership officer? Uh, position would it be i don't know and, and i think this is where the background experience of leading businesses um so long as they are a subordinate of the ceo they're not there to replace or succeed but sometimes you and i both know that ceos perhaps lean more to the operations and business side of the agenda rather than the people yeah the people leader often is overruled by the CEO because, you know, it's or I, I don't really get that bit. <clears throat> um, but and I think this is almost I don't know, really, it, it is, is it is it a almost a internal marketing type of leadership role? It, it's it's so many things. But what what I do recognize is the problem definitely exists in business, that there is a lack of cascading of vision. Um, which means that some people don't understand if they're all pointing in the same direction or not. Um, and I think from that perspective, the, the role needs to happen. But, but 
what's probably up for further debate is where it sits um, in the business um, and how much power <laughs> the, um, the, the holder of this role has in the business. So um, in the article, uh, there is um, this, this idea that there's a lack of a unified intentional approach to the many ingredients that create a consistent culture of leadership. These ingredients include, and, and, I'm, I, and when I say these words, think of an HR director that you've done business with or that you've worked with, right? So they include corporate purpose and value strategy, recruiting, performance criteria, reward systems, coaching, training and development, external and internal communications, and uh, equity and inclusion strategy. Would some HR directors see those things as, as within their role? Corporate purpose, value strategy, recruiting, performance criteria, reward systems, coaching and training and development, external, internal communications, and equity and inclusion strategy. Uh, most of them, yes. So now that's interesting. And I would agree that most of them, there's a few there that, you know, maybe <laughs> a stretch. Much. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. But maybe it's like it's just comfortable to throw all of that at HR and say, well, that's an HR thing. And I've heard this sometimes. I I walked into um, a CEO's office and we had a really good conversation. And then I said, tell me, uh, what are your values? Because um, I can't see I can't see them anywhere. And I swear to God, he he then said, actually, um, let me get the HR um, director. HR director came in and he said, where did we put that um, those values? And she went off and found them, and it was in a in a framed picture, and those were the values brought in from somewhere, like a probably a toilet or something. I don't know. And and I and I said, well, you don't you don't you, you don't know them, do you? Let's be let's be honest. Um, and you know, we've never had call to really make a big thing about it. They, you know, we did them, and that was that. Mm. Um, so well you may have done leadership programs in the last couple of years where evidently it's it's so not important to them to even have them i think it's a i think it's a real hot potato this one because mm. i i think there is a misconception amongst many people in organizations that values and a value strategy is an hr thing and is a bit is a bit boring and, it, and it's actually, it's not, it's not for us. It's for HR to do. We're too busy actually satisfying customers and uh, making sure that we hit our targets and doing the day-to-day, -day, doing what's right for the business. Um, and it, it just fails to launch. It doesn't, you know, the, the, having a clear vision, having clear um, value strategy all of that impacts on recruiting and performance criteria and should be uh, recognised in, in reward systems, training and development um, and internal and external communications. But so, re so rarely is it, is it actually joined up. And that's why I love the idea of, you know, the connecting all the dots 
doesn't happen. And you, you and I know how important this role would be in at least six or seven of the organisations we've worked with in the past, where those dots are not joined. And I don't think the, the, the CEOs actually really got it. They didn't, they didn't quite get it, uh, how important it was. Hmm. Well, it will be interesting to see whether, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's new role. I, I was also reading other articles this weekend um, about, um, you know, chief diversity officers and whether that's just a sticking plus because they're just navel gazing and talking about it rather than actually doing stuff. And I guess the worry is with the chief leadership role is, is that another one that's, they've got no real accountability to the business. They're just given the vision and just go and make sure it's campaigned around the business. And really, they're just a very expensive internal consultants who should really be doing what other people are doing. And it's because other businesses are failing. Actually, is it that most businesses just need leadership training and that cost of that resource, you can spend on some really good leadership programs run by Seedle.com, of course. Of course. So, I mean, you know, if you were a um, private equity company, uh, you invest in a great big business uh, you know, you're taking um, it for granted. Um, I don't know whether they do, but um, that the CEO uh, is going to be on top of all of the things that we've been discussing, the, the, you know, the corporate purpose, values, um, getting the right people in the business, managing performance, coaching and training and development. They, they, would, they would say, well, you know, the CEO is ultimately responsible for all of this. Yes, that's absolutely true. But just to put our minds at rest, would you mind uh, if you actually had our CLO uh, work alongside uh, you, the CEO, um, so that we can make sure that we get all of those things aligned and we can satisfy ourselves uh, that, you know, this business is robust and uh, that all of those dots are joined throughout the business. If I was, if I was, you know, an equity company in an equity company, I would be thinking, I want to know these things. I want to know that this is actually really going to happen. And mm. I might, I might want to say, actually, have you heard about this role? It's called a chief leadership officer. Um, what do you think about this person coming on board for, you know, for two or three years? to make sure that we get the business absolutely humming in all of these areas. I, I think, I mean, what do you think, Anne? I, I'd be quite sort of... As an interim, I think you're right, especially if they're going through huge amounts of transformation. There's every probability that that person ends up going into an area of the business that heads up a region or, or other things. Um, but it, it's, I mean, it, look, it's, it's promoted a conversation with us alone, and I wonder what it means to to organizations that may have executive committees where they think mm, actually is this you know but then our chief hr officers and chief people officers can be really grumpy with us that we're eating their picnic <laughs> well yes you see there that yeah, i mean it, it's 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 fraught uh with with challenge i mean you i think you'd have to be a bloody good ceo to get it right to get one of these people in and to give them the teeth they need to get the job mm. done uh, that's the that's my only worry that they you know that they 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 might lack the power uh to do what's necessary and probably do you know what make recommendations that, that you know some some parts of the organization are just not fit for purpose yeah yeah i'm conscious of time we should move on to your next article oh my god have i got another one um, i think you had you had another one you had, well, it was a statement this morning wasn't it sorry um, oh, I've got the true love lyrics by Bing Crosby. Um, believing your qualities <laughs> are carved in stone, 
The fixed yes. mindset creates an urgency to prove yourself over and over again. Yes. Um, so this is taken from Mindset, a wonderful book by Doral, Doral? <laughs> Dr. Carol Dweck. Um, and uh, I've been I'm going back through it, actually, uh, this book, because I am writing a massive, great big piece. It's not going to be a book, Ant, just before you get too excited. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm writing a whole load of stuff at the moment. And uh, I, I came across this uh, from the book. Um, and I'll just repeat it again. And it's believing your qualities are carved in stone. Um, you know, the fixed mindset, that is the fixed mindset, creates an urgency to prove yourself over and over again. And I, I for those of you who might not be aware of the work of Carol Dweck, uh, she talks about the fixed and the growth mindset. And the fixed mindset is this carved in stone. I, my qualities are my qualities, and I'm quite happy with them as they are. Um, I've done my learning, uh, I've qualified as this, and I don't really need uh, to do much more learning. Thank you very much. And I, it, it's fascinating when you compare that to the growth mindset, um, where every challenge, every uh, challenge is an opportunity. Uh, to to learn for the growth mindset individual, um, and she goes back through education, um, through to people in the workplace, uh, and you know identifies things that you can do to improve your intelligence. Yes, believe it or not, you can improve your intelligence. It is entirely possible, um, but. It takes practice, uh, it takes training, um, and above all, method uh, to increase your attention, your memory, uh, your judgment, um, and then therefore you can become more intelligent. Um, there's another brilliant quote, actually, um, from a guy called, I think you've liked this one, Ant, it's, it's from uh, a guy called Alfred Binet, uh, who was a, a French, uh, kind of psychologist, and he he invented the IQ test, hmm. um, and he wrote a book called Modern Modern Ideas About Children, and uh, the quote is: uh, "It's not always the people who start out the smartest who end up the smartest." And you know, I think all of this actually is beginning to link up the whole the whole of this <laughs> podcast. You know about you know your head start, your academic head start might not necessarily mean uh, that you end up being the smartest, mm. uh, because you know there, there's opportunities if people get the idea of uh, lifelong learning and brain development. Uh, you know people have far more capacity. Um, well, it's, it's certainly as far as the scientific community is concerned, they, they now realise that people have far more capacity um, than they originally uh, thought. You know, so whatever your unique ge genetic endowment, you can, you can um, develop uh, different levels of intelligence simply by um, focusing um, by noticing, by, you know, choosing the right um, things to practice, habits to build, um, and then increasing 
our awareness, increasing our attention and our memory, memory skills, we literally can become more intelligent. Um, but good, good, good grief. Um, we've got a lot uh, of stuff that we learned at school. Um, and Carol Dweck is really good at explaining uh, the things that we might have picked up at school that actually act as limiters and interferences to our later life. So here's a few here's a few questions that I think I don't know, Anne. You see what you think about these questions because I I can relate to these and they have held me back in parts of my life. Okay, so here's number one: mm -hmm. Will I succeed or fail? Uh, is a is a massively big big thing that we can we can pick up uh, from our school life and take it take it on into into later life rather than you know what is the learning from me throwing myself into this new business um what is the what is what am i going to learn from this what, you know what what what's what 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 can other people learn from it? And rather than this very harsh, will I succeed or will I fail? Will I look smart or will I look dumb? Um, will I be accepted or rejected? Will I feel like a winner or a loser? Those 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 questions, I I think, are uh, often within a kind of school environment, you know, that the, the teacher's pet uh, is actually, you know, the failures over here, please. And the successful kids over here, <laughs> you're the one that's going to get the, the, the opportunity to go and, you know, take this letter to the head, or you're going to be given the round of applause. Um, and so then, then you've got all of these sort of things. Oh God, I'm not going to speak because I'm going to look dumb. And I, I, I need to look smart in front of um, Mrs. Hodgetts uh, or, or Mr. Smith. I'm not, I don't want to come across as bitter or twisted. I'm not. I just think it's useful uh, just to, to, to really think, am I, am I fixed mindset or can I move my intelligence and be open to challenges, open to opportunities and forget this um, kind of self-sabotaging judgment of my uh, performance and effort. It almost feels like a hybrid between in a game of tennis and Caroline Dweck's fixed dynamic. Yeah. <clears throat> because it's almost like your inner self is telling you you can't do something, so you go into fixed mindset to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we, we have 13 minutes left and I, and I would like to bring up an article I saw on BBC, if that's OK. Or, or do you want to kick around this subject any any longer? No, no, I, I think it's I think it's kind of it's under under the um, whole of this webinar, really. You know, it, it's sort of frothing and bubbling um, around, you know, the, the competence of individuals in organisations and why it's so important uh, to create a learning culture um, and, you know, for people to uh, feel empowered, for people to um, actually give, be given the opportunity to grow their learning, lifelong learning. You join this, you join this company and 
you know you're invested in um in your learning yeah uh, we will give you confidence in your competence and you know we will work with you around the best challenges uh, for you to take on board not too much and not too little but just about right as far as we can um and then the th the the biggest thing that we're going to support you with is your effort to do it and that's what we're going to to work with you on and I, that that to me is that leadership uh officer i think that's the main thrust of what that should be about from 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 the ceo to everyone else in the organization Hmm. That's that's my that's my penny's worth. Um. Hmm. Right. Have you my got your your BBC or? Yes. So my my BBC article, and this has been brought up multiple times in the last few months on our podcast, but yet it still seems that um, the powers that be, either the government. Um, treadmill of spin which i understand has merit anyway long story short bbc article um off the back of the um conference season which is going on in uk politics just finished um first was lib dems then it was the labor party uh and the conservatives were last week i think <clears throat> and a journalist asked all three of these parties leaders similar questions around your you know, and especially the government, um, you're advocating, you know, office is always the best place for people to grow, develop, connect and learn, which I don't dispute on, you know, some levels. But then there was a question of well, what percentage of your workforce are back in the office then, you know, asking are they practicing what they preach? And none of them came up with a really succinct answer. And I, and I do wonder, um, actually, for the taxpayers in the UK, um, and I'm sure around the world, this is not dissimilar, must be frustrated that we are spending an awful lot of our taxpayers' money on renting or funding, fueling um, very expensive office buildings that are sit uh, sitting at 15, 20% capacity to what they were three years ago. Um, anyway, um, I, I have tried to understand the angles that are driving people back to the office from a government agenda. And, and I'm sure it is very much around keeping these local town centre economies alive because it's another, you know, it's another uh, wound, if you will, in that sense. And certainly driving down my local high street, even on a Saturday, it's 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 quiet. Um, and but is the retail economy of weekends when you look at retail parks is still relatively thriving. Is it that these biz, these these governments and local councils around the land need to rethink what they do? In their town centres, but I have a suggestion, JB, and, I, and, and, the, and because I'm conscious we've trod this topic so many times, and I'm sure you'll have an opinion on the general topic again as well as um, this, is that why don't local councils give up half their buildings to innovative small businesses as incubators for small business? If they want to drive people um, to maybe taking businesses buildings around the town centres. Well, offer them a free rental in their office for a year. And once they're at a certain level, then they have to go and hire an office within the council's territory. And the ambition would be 
that then if they don't and they end up growing and they go into another area, then they have to pay for the rent that they've not necessarily taken for free in those offices. <coughs> because ultimately, it's currently sat empty doing nothing. And I'm sure there are a load of small business leaders that would you know, love an opportunity to have an office and networking opportunity without the costs associated. That was my kind of thinking. I think that's genius. I love that idea, Ant. I, 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 yeah. I, go on, sorry. Well, I was just thinking about my local um, council, Fanet District Council, um, and uh, how can I put this? <laughs> um, I don't want to be slanderous or libelous or whatever, but um, they are next to flipping useless. And I think uh, if you put anyone commercial anywhere near them, they'd run for the hills. Uh, they'd be petrified. Uh, and I think they'd be a bit worried they'd be found out uh, if you put um, some really cool entrepreneurial characters in their office. Um, I don't know whether that's indicative of other councils. Other councils are available. Um, I, I, I wish that was the case, actually, in the case of Thanet District Council. Um, but uh, they would not be supportive, I guarantee you that. And they are a closed shop and um, they are the, the opposite of transparent. So I think they'd, they'd find it very, very difficult to invite anyone into their, into their offices. But not all uh, councils are the same. So I'm looking at my council, my local council, a heart district council. And it looks like, um, and I know it's a big old building they've got. Um, they, um, hold on a second. Mm -mm -mm -mm. It would appear that they have 138 employees, certainly on LinkedIn. So let's assume the office putting perhaps, you know, the, 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 the street, uh, street support and the, you know, the maintenance and the public service spaces. Let's assume that 138 occupy that building in the town center. I can tell you that office, if that's even running at 50%, um, of occupancy, given the current situation, it, it's a complete waste of taxpayers money that could be used far better. Um, still as a business office space, but actually a place to allow businesses to innovate and leaders to collaborate and work with each other and set up incubator businesses. And they graduate out of that building, but then they have to rent space in the local area. Limited to two years, I don't know. But I bet you that would be, a, and you know, in the meantime, the local council are getting to understand what's going on in local business. Uh, and they become much more commercially astute than they are at the minute. It, I, I think it's got legs, but... What well, no no I did so I I think that I would one hundred percent support that and um, I would be very very interested in you know supporting businesses that went in there you know I I think it would be brilliant I I would want to get involved and help mm. and support um, same I really would. Well, there we go. Our, our hour is nearly up, ladies and gents. Um, uh, we we have a listener question, but it's too big a question to dig out today, so I'm going to hold it back until next time. Um, JB, any exciting uh, plans for the next seven days? Well, um, so right after this uh, podcast, I am actually moving a yacht uh, from one part of uh, the Royal Harbour to another. And for some reason, the owner of this great big yacht keeps asking me to help. 
because they think that I am relatively competent as a member of their crew. Uh, Been anyway. nice knowing you. <laughs> so, um, but uh, do you know the owner? Uh, actually, uh, he fell in the water last a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were doing some manoeuvres with his boat, uh, and he was trying to jump from the jetty into his uh, his little rib, and he missed his footing and went in the water, which actually makes me feel a lot better that he did that because he's trying to teach me to do a bowling knot and I'm struggling with it because I can't get the little it has to go through a little rabbit hole and then back out through the thing and then back out again and then back through and I can't get my head around it um but so that's it this afternoon's excitement then uh, this week is full of writing content and building some courses and then the weekend I'm going to see my granddaughter because she is one. It's her birthday. Exciting stuff. Super yeah, what, what about you? What do you want to? Not a lot, I don't think. Oh, no, we have my dad down this weekend. Oh, which will be, but we're, we're only Monday. I keep forgetting. We're so used to doing these on a Thursday. I do know um, I had the same mental. I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a way off yet, but no, it's uh, so that's that's that plan this week. And then there's an awful lot of stuff going on at work, which I'm not going to bore you with right now, but uh, joyous nonetheless. How are we, um, how are we finding doing this on Monday? Um, so far, not bad. My mind is fresh, although I'm still a bit foggy because I'm not feeling 100% still from the weekend's illness. But um, but no, okay, how about you? Yeah, I think it's probably quite a good one to crack off the week with. Um, and um, yeah, let's keep, let's tr- let's keep trying this. Let's have an open uh, growth mindset towards doing this on a Monday. Indeed, indeed. Well, anyway, I've been Anthony Price. And I've been JB with my qualities not carved in stone um, and no need or urgency to prove myself repeatedly. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.